Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. You heard the voice. You see the face. Yes, Fridays for the damn art. April 29th, 2022. There was a riot in the streets. Tell me, where are you? You're right here watching the one and only Morning Combat. I'm that... That white guy who just goes, the BBC with the BDE, the damn American alpha, Brian Campbell, you're looking at him right here. I'm the reason why you stay watching this show, but the reason why you're here is for that ill fella next to me, under the weather, like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, it's Luke Thomas. <laughs> I don't know if he was so much under the weather as he was dying, um, but today, BC... On the air, after your intro, I'm going to take a COVID test right here live on the air. And I'll get the results to, in 15 minutes. Yeah, we need to find out whether you are, in fact, the father or not, Luke, as we get there. Uh, welcome on in, though, to our fantastic show, live three days a week, all things mixed martial arts and boxing. And today, we set the stage for what should be a fun weekend. We got UFC fight night. We have blockbuster boxing main events, including the biggest fight in the history of women's pugilism. Can't wait to get into that one. Should be a good one. And also, we'll look back briefly at what was another stop on the PFL 2022 journey Thursday night. But look, we'll make you laugh. We'll sell you some shit. Nobody. Nobody does it better than we do. And I mean that at the end of the day, okay? Thank you. Uh, you want 10% off our fantastic merch? You want to wear this hat right here? I, I encourage you to hit up morningcombat.store. Use our promo code LIVE10. Tell them BC sent you, our good friend RJ Dunkelmaker. He's ready, waiting, willing to take your info and send you something beautiful, okay? Support the show so that, um, really, so you can look cool. Really, that's that's it at the end of the day. Showtime.com will get you 30 free days. It's Bellator, it's boxing, it's movies, it's documentaries. It's everything you would want out of a streaming app. Try it for 30 days free. Then is where you consider fucking off and, 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 and pounding sand and all that good stuff. But Luca, uh, some of that business out of the way, and uh, let me prepare you all for to say this weekend, though, uh, youtube.com slash morning combat. Your boy BC is going to give you a Saturday night instant reaction after all things Taylor Serrano, Chavez, um, Chavez, good Lord, Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez. Maybe there'll be a Chavez involved. So check that out. Like, subscribe to what we do. But Luke, you almost... I don't want to say you almost threw in the towel for this one. Oh, man. You didn't almost because you're tough, Luke. Like Michael Jordan in game five of the 97 finals, right? Food poisoning. Maybe yeah, drunk right. all night. Yeah, that asshole the, was drunk. The flu game. You told me, look, if I was in an office job, BC, I would not be there today. Yeah. But I have to be center in what is a combat sports podcast revolution that's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had a Joe job, uh, which nothing wrong with those. I've had them in the past. If I had one of those, buddy, let me tell you, I would not be here today. But this ain't one of those kinds of careers where you can just say, oh, I don't feel great. I'm not going to go to work. You kind of no. have to go to work unless you really can't. And they I guess technically I can't. Although awards. I will warn you, I am woefully un unprepared and did very little research today because I've been so sick. Well, so, Luke, uh, Fridays are for the art, so let that fuel us and carry us. But what I do want to do right now is let the people find out along with us how, in fact, sick are you? Luke, can right. you, would you prefer, um, and is this a, is this the anal swab, Luke, or is this the? 
<laughs> Would you like me to do the anal swab right on air? By the way, that is my go-to joke whenever I'm in line for a COVID test. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I've, been in, I've been in line with this jerk face so many times and we get to the front and he goes to the lady who's just you know some healthcare worker he goes uh you want me to drop my pants is this an anal swab i can drop no no my no pants no, no that's not that that's a that's a reckless way of i'm doing gonna start that. the joke this is my friend here was wondering that's the joke luke okay oh right. yes you pin it on me i forgot about that that's right all right so i got the liquid and the vial which go in here yes let's see i got the yes. swab now you're gonna have to tell me if i went deep enough with the swab well, right, Luke, so that's gonna... that's what, probably what she told Rocco, but I'm going to need you to go deep here. Balls deep, okay? You got to make Boy, sure you get that's a swab it. on Rocco. I don't know. I mean, that's okay. Here <laughs> is the thing. I don't need a All false right. positive here, Luke, okay? You can't be half pregnant here. I need to find out the truth. Now, obviously, you can't see what I'm doing at my desk, so someone could say I'm rigging the results. I really, I mean, I don't care what the results come up as. I'll, I'll be honest. So this is the test once the results come in. You put the three drops, and then it comes over here. All right, so let's set this part up, and then I am going to swab my mother effing face. Oh, dude, I so BC, have you ever administered an at-home COVID test? Um, I know that uh, um, Miguel Tejada used to take B12 injections in the ass, Luke, and that's why he won the 2002 MVP. But no, I've never given it to somebody else. In terms of, in terms of uh, COVID tests, I'm more of a power bottom, Luke. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. All right, here we go. Now, you got to judge me on this, BC. Am I going deep enough? Now, this is not a huge swab. This is about, what, I don't know, four inches-ish, something like that? All right, uh, maybe three. It's a very it's a very familiar length for you, Luke, to be fair, right? <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. All right, here we go. Ready? Tell me if I'm deep enough. Oh, boy, here we go. Here That's we pretty go. fucking deep. <laughs> I hope Tukey comes running in right now, Luke, and, and you see God at the end. Oh, my God, this is great. Probably deeper, Luke. Probably, probably a little uh, bit deeper. There's blood on it. <clears throat> Jesus. Oh, God. Uh, this is great TV. This is why we win awards, Luke, okay? <laughs> Dude, my fucking eyeballs are about to pop out of my skull from that one. Holy shit. All right, here we go. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, look at that. Going through all the wreckage uh, and pain. And scarring. Yep. Uh, find the... Wow! Find that, Luke. <laughs> yes! Yes! Wow, this is weird. Yeah, all, all right. right. Fuck That's me, great. man. That was deep. All right. Now I'm going to put it in here. You got to put it in the wash, so to speak. Good Lord, yes. dude. That, that made my eyes water like a motherfucker, man. All right. So now we've done that. Pinch Luke, your ability around. to act like you're the first person ever doing something knows no limits. I love it, Luke. Love it. Dude, that's the part of the bit, you dumbass. <laughs> you like, think I don't know that? <laughs> hey, BC, the first rule of improv is, come on, yeah. All right, so now I got to put three drops on this side, and then we'll see what happens. All right, here we go. I guess you can right. see. Let's see. All right. Yes, we're, yes, you can. Drum okay. roll, please. One, two, three, and then one more for good measure. There you go. Yeah. All right. Now, we have to wait 15 minutes, but... I will uh, set a timer, Luke. Set a timer, because no. So what time is it now? Know. It's eleven oh nine. So eleven, yeah. what twenty four? Yes. Something like that. Yes. All right, eleven twenty four. We're gonna see if my band has COVID. Yes. That, Here we go. That, the, the nineteen. Yes. Yes. Give it to me. All it's right. It's moving. You see the bar? It's moving. 
Well, Luke, why don't you set an alarm and we'll get to the bottom of this at the end All of right. it, okay? We'll figure it out. Uh, right. we, do a, we do have a show for you today, okay? We're going to set the stage before, though. Before we get into previewing, reviewing all things mixed martial arts, Luke, our first topic of the day on this Friday, an interesting of sorts Twitter battle, which started somewhat lamely and innocently with UFC welterweight champion Kamaru Usman and boxing superstar and pound for pound king Canelo Alvarez going back and forth, talking a little Triz Ash, you know, talking that shit. Not so excitingly, but Luke, this escalated in some interesting directions, not only bringing in our extended boss, Showtime Sports President Steven Espinosa, but ending with Kamaro Usman taking one hell of a company man stance, Luke. Uh, wow. Can we sh- throw up a few of these and sort of catch up anybody who had missed it? Of course, it was Ali Abdelaziz, the manager of Usman, trying to stir the pot for a boxing match that they feel could you know, change their life financially. Canelo, the who the fuck is this? Long Island Luke, can we keep the train moving here? Benich, all them. You know who I am. I'm Usman's manager. Blah, blah, blah. Here's what Abdelaziz said. You've been ducking. Oh, hold on. I like, I'm going, we go back for just a second. This is one of my favorite parts. I'm being very nice to you because it's Ramadan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he says you've been ducking Triple G for two years now. I don't know about that. But Kamaro has fought everybody UFC through Adam. I've been very nice to you because it's Ramadan. Kamaru says, let's all just relax before somebody gets hurt. Luke, this is where it began to escalate. So you got Canelo going, you know, I agree it won't be, you know, it will not be me that gets hurt. In the cage or in the ring, Kamaru says, I'm willing to find out in both, but are you? Canelo starts to play the, you know, the alpha role here. But Luke, then we brought in, um, the guy. Then we brought in Steven Espinosa here. Okay, enough said. Camaro says, you don't want that smoke. And it was Espinosa saying, LOL, UFC fighters want that boxing paycheck, but don't understand that boxers have the autonomy to choose opponents. I'm not about wanting, it's not about wanting the smoke. It's about professional self-determination, a foreign concept to those, Luke, who let that kickboxing instructor choose their fights. Damn. So, our boy Steve going back into the playbook here to continue this uh, this war that he's had with Dana and McGregor, but uh, this is where Kamaru surprised me, Luke. Boxing has a beautiful art with some amazing athletes and even a couple good promoters. The problem is low lives like you are around the sport that has destroyed it for everybody. Take notes from what Dana has done. I know, what finally, does that mean? Establish a monopoly in the marketplace? Like, what kind yeah. of artists? Then finally, Kamaro goes all in here. Our fans know who the best is because the best fight the best. They don't run and hide and fight nobodies with those plastic belts and call themselves super champion. Keep quiet next time. And if you need lessons on how to save that dying sport, yeah, let me know. And I've got Zufa boxing head Dana on speed dial. Yeah. Luke. Um, yes, notoriously successful boxing promoter, Dana White. Dude, this went from something that I couldn't care less about to something that I'm like, really? To now I'm going, Kamaro, dude, like, I get I get what you're doing. You're trying like hell to make life-changing money, to make the kind of money that we all realize UFC stars, with the exception of McGregor, but even there's limits there, aren't making in comparison to boxing. But Luke, this road, this method, dude, it, it, it ain't it. This is not 
This is not the right way to go. This is not a good look. Your defense is call up Dana White, who's preventing you from making these type of paydays? I know. I, I know. It's the most insane fucking thing. Yeah, dude, this is crazy to me. John Nash had a good tweet about the whole thing, too, which was, quote, boxing needs to be like MMA where the best fight the best, which is why Canelo should stop ducking a boxing match with unranked O&O boxer Kamaru Usman. Yeah, right, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. everything about what they're trying to do other than what it nakedly is, right? What it nakedly is, is... um. It's just a power. It's a power play for money. I mean, that's all. And, and fine, like you can shoot your shot. Like I want to be clear about this. I don't have any interest in a Kamaru Usman versus Canelo fight, and I think it's silly. And I think them trying it is silly. But fine. Like at the end of the day, that's you can try what you want, and crazy things happen. And you know, if you get it, great. If you don't, well, you're never probably never going to anyway. So I don't really have any issue with it, other than I just don't really care. But then when they start going about the things about like, well, you know, it's an a. Are we still playing the dying hit sport? It's like, dude, boxing is in like, it's not to say that boxing's in like tremendous shape with all of its various conflicts of interest and we just had the Kinahan situation. Like, there's plenty of problems with boxing, but like, is it in a good place? Yeah, it's in a very good place. And we have <laughs> the, the best fight. record. The attendance yeah. marks of the past month would show you, right? The, what, what kind of place I we're in. It's a global sport. It's it, We're going to have two women headline in Madison Square Garden here on the weekend. Like, dude, the best absolutely are fighting. The best, you have Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson fighting each other. And then in about a week, you're going to have fucking Canelo at 175 fighting Dimitri Bivol. Who are these people who are saying boxing's in terrible shape? I understand that there's a larger concern about sort of the way in which there's there's multiple belts, multiple sanctioning organizations. That's fine. But between what Jake Paul has done, there is now actual research to show that this YouTube boxing phenomenon has brought in a horde of younger fans that otherwise boxing would not have. Then you have on the upper end of things, the sort of international ability to put in 94,000 people in the UK. Again, women back at Madison Square Garden. We're having top guys consistently fighting top guys all the time. Here is the reality that MMA fans and MMA fighters to an extent just need to accept. None of you really know what's going on in boxing. You're not really paying attention and you're surfing off of late 90s talking points about what the state of the industry was back then to make points that no longer make even any sense whatsoever. And the weirder part about it, the, the part about it that really just blows my mind is, let me see if I understand this. You guys are trapped in contracts and in situations with a monopolistic or either outright monopoly or something close to it with your MMA contracts such that you are desperate to get boxing fights so you can get massive paydays, which, fine, don't hate on him for it. Francis might get it. If Kamaru gets it, great. It'll be life-changing money. Not mad at that at all. But you're going to boxing to get paydays that you otherwise would be, it would be impossible. Listen to that word. Impossible to even come close to in MMA. And this is evidence <laughs> that Steven Espinosa <laughs> needs to ask Dana White for, like, tips on how to promote. It's like, dude, on what fucking planet does I mean, any of this make funny. sense? You know, Espinosa became a part of this, but we're not bringing this up to defend him. Yeah, it's not about him. I'm just saying, like, it, this is evidence that the MMA industry works better. No, but it's like, you know, you, you mentioned they're using a dated argument. I mean, I feel like, you know, and the thing is, Usman is a guy I love. Like, he's done everything the right way, the long road, the hard work, the constant improving himself. The, to see him so aggressively whoring himself out for a fight that, like, 
in theory, he can't win because, like, it's not even like he's bringing in the puncher's chance of an Nganu or even a McGregor boxing against a 40-year-old Mayweather, so we're sort of, you know, is there a chance, right? Like, this is a... I mean, dude, Kamar Usman didn't get hands until, like, two fights ago, right? Like, this is... What are we doing here, first of all? But he it sounds like he went in a time machine back to that sports center debate between Joe Rogan and Lou DiBella. Remember that thing back in, like, yeah. 2008, and it blew up yeah. about which sport's better, and we're using, you know, horribly outdated concepts to debate that. I was just blown away that... <laughs> Dana's the one preventing him. Dana's the reason Francis Ngannou is at this crossroads where he may walk away from the sport for good to chase this payday. And you're trying to use the defense of call up that guy if you really want to make these fights. No, you can't make this fights because of that guy. Like you, like so. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, yeah, call just, him and call him and ask his permission because that's what it, you have to do. It was a real, yeah, that's the thing. That, that would have been a great re reply from Steven. Why don't you call him, okay? Why don't you try to improve your contract and your situation so that GSP, who's retired, will no longer get banned from boxing Oscar De La Hoya like he wanted to do that time? Like, how about we get out of that draconian business? So I don't, I'm never going to hate, like you said, Usman's want for that payday, even though we are still in this sad position where the top, you know, this ain't a, a, a low-level champion or a regional champion. Kamaru Usman's the pound-for-pound pound king. Like, the he's unbeaten in the promotion. Like, the top guy, the literally the top guy critically that they have is still, at the end of the day, willing to sell his soul or his brain to another sport to their best guy just to get this payday. Like, that's still the reality of what we're doing here. And so to try to, you know, defend the guy holding you back, it's just, it's it, it, it was worthy of sort of opening the show and being like, Bro, uh, you know, wrong lane. You know what I mean? Like, like, show me the water. This ain't it. No, this, this is too deep for you here. So, Luke, um, was it even him though? Are we are we going nuts over yeah, Ali? Who knows? Or? I mean, I don't know if it was. It could have been his manager, Ali Abdelaziz. It could have been Kamaru. I mean, both of them seem to be in lockstep anyway. About again, I'm not mad at them for pursuing something. I think it's silly and it won't work. But I've thought lots of things were silly and didn't work, and then they did. So I don't really care that they're trying to like you know rustle up one, but like. You know, Mayweather was in a different position at the time. The thing with McGregor was happening, and Fury seems much more open to it. Dude, Canelo does not seem really interested at all. He's Dude, got he has a lot nothing of to gain here. That's the thing. Yeah. If this, he can, he's gonna make. How much is he gonna make for Bivol? Fifty mil, probably. And by the way, that's a really hard fight. Like really freaking hard. Like trying to say you're ducking Triple G. The hardcores don't want Canelo to fight Triple G again because we all know he's going to knock him out, right? So it's like yeah. it's too late in the game. Triple G's 40, so stop. But, Luke, um, you know, Kamaru's really up against it because nobody wants this fight. Canelo can make more money <coughs> seemingly against actual boxers. The difference, again, for Floyd was that he was already retired and he sees somebody across from him who's got a lot of him in him and Connor. He's like, oh, I, I, you know, I, I can dance with this type of spirit. I can create money that's never been seen before. Again, Kamaru's not nearly the celebrity Connor was. And Luke, in terms of the potential of selling it, he's not nearly the, the physical threat we thought Connor might have been for Floyd, or at least casual fans thought, which is why they spent that much money, 100 bucks, 4.4 million times, right? And obviously right. in Gano, dude, that's a different story. It's heavyweights. It's one-punch power. What a... Can we stop it now, Luke? Is this the funeral for for any Usman Canelo talk moving forward? We just we have Pro it right probably here, just one more point that I would like to make, is, or two points, very quickly. One, 
Listen, Francis, to your point, has big knockout power, and especially if they change the rules because Fury is an entertainer and they give him four-ounce gloves, I would still pick Fury to win. But, hey, that's... You never know. That's kind of an interesting little twist. But uh, with Kamaru, to your point, it's like, dude, let me just be real about this. Kamaru is the pound-for-pound best fighter in MMA. And what he's done in MMA is beyond commendable. It is historic and incredible and inspiring and magnetic to a degree. And he has earned everything he's gotten to his point. Why he wants to get this Canelo fight is because he hasn't been given everything that he's earned in my judgment. And I understand the need to go get a payday. I get it. But, dude, Canelo would fuck him up in boxing. It would not go well for him at all. It would be very, 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 very bad for him if they made that fight in boxing. It would not. Well, it would, Luke, he would eat the canvas multiple times. Oh, God, he'd be destroyed. But the point to me is, uh, even if they brought in, even if this was totally a ruse to try to get Canelo's interest and then get more money from the UFC to stay put and get a bigger contract, even if that's the game, and that may be the game at the end of the day for Kamaru and Ali. They may be you know, two steps ahead of this. This is the lamest way you can go about to try to to try to stir up interest, right? It's a, like, dude, Canelo, in all fairness, probably has never heard of Kamaru before this all started. Probably. 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 And also, again, Kamaru just is like, dude, what are you guys... The, the, you have to be, not so much Kamaru and, and, and whoever else, but like just in general to the MMA fan base, are you guys... This show, everyone knows. But for the MMA fan base wider, it's like, do you guys understand what Canelo has been doing for a little while? It, he is marching divisions down and snatching belts and then going up well past any weight class he ever needed to. And he's fucking those guys up, too. The idea that he's not fighting the best is comical. Comical is what it is. It's not even remotely reflective of reality. And BC, this is the last thing I would say on this thing, which is it is alarming to me how much Stockholm Syndrome some of the MMA fighters have, I understand that they take pride and that they never had an easy fight by and large, right? And I get that. that. They should be proud of that. But that is a reality that was basically forced on them by the promoters. And it turns out when you open up the rules and you let fighters have some say about the, the future of their careers, that kind of thing, in some, to, to, to some degree, goes away. It's a function. When you brag about having done that, it, I get that the idea is that you had a hard road. Fine. But you had a hard road because somebody gave you marching orders because you don't have autonomy over your career because you can't line up fights like Canelo can to get the big fights. That is how the sausage is made. And then to ape and parry what, excuse me, to, 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 to borrow what a promoter says and bring it back and then use that as like a defense point for the way the career is gone when the promoter is the one that has control over the careers of MMA fighters and to a degree that you know you don't see at all in MMA, excuse me, in boxing, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's truly it bizarre. Weird. Be proud of the road that, like the the road that Kamaru Usman has walked, is fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. But the reason why fans like what the UFC does is because their interests are directly aligned. Kamaru in, Usman's interests are not necessarily aligned with that. Bragging that your rights and your interests got overrun in favor of the promoter, I don't think that's I don't think that's the brag that they think it is. I really don't. Luke, I hate to go back to this because it's still a little bit too much WWF faction talk, but you remember when Luke Rockhold told Ariel, man, imagine if Nganu, Usman, and Adesanya, the three champions from Africa, teamed up, joined the uni unionized front against fighter pay and contracts and all that. 
I mean, I know that's like saying, wow, why don't we make the nation a domination here at Central Casting? No, the point is, Luke, if something like that had happened and Kamara was now using this public platform to try to get Canelo and was using, like Ngannou is, the fact that they aren't paid as fuel to why he deserves this, I think that the public would welcome it a little bit more, right? Yeah, and and again, just to wrap up here, there's a lot of people, and I, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people that have opinions about boxing, and I've got some too, and I try to couch them as best I can in the evidence that I've collected. But there are a lot of people who know nothing about boxing who have very strong opinions about it. And I gotta say, a lot of y'all clearly haven't done your homework in a long time. Whatever you think boxing is, it ain't. All right, BC, I'm ready to give some test results if you're ready. You're like, you ain't never been to the ghetto, so don't ever come to the ghetto, because you wouldn't <laughs> last in the ghetto. So stay the I don't know fuck out of the ghetto. Yeah. I don't know about all that. I'm just saying, if you're going to have opinions about something, you may want to watch it time to time. But okay. You ready for a result reveal? Now, I don't know if the camera can pick it up, but I'm going to give it to you. BC, what do you think? COVID or no COVID? Uh, COVID. Yeah, you're okay. due. You've been due for one, Luke, unfortunately. I've been due for a while. I think yeah. I did have it, but here we go. Can you see? Let's go to Maury. Is he, the, is he pregnant? Is he the father? Can you see? Yes, red, Luke. No, they can't see shit because this camera blows. Um, no, it's not. Here, I'll take a picture of it, and I'll send it to, um, uh, what you call it, to uh, Corey, and he can put it on the air. But no, it is single. It is not, it is not a positive test. According to it WebMD, is. it says you, your ovaries just dropped, Luke. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true, yeah. That's yeah. probably true. Corey, I'm going to send this to you. Is that okay, and you can put it on the air? Yes. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, guys, TMI here. Okay, can we move on to fight talk? Uh, All right. Know. Yes, it, I am. I am COVID negative according to this test. Corey, so, I'm going to send go. you a picture of my colon, but it's from the outside. Can you put that on, uh, Corey? There you go. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> HR. Thank you very much. Right, okay. Funny, now let's get funny. back on the train here of fight talk and fight predictions. We can all wonder to ourselves what Luke actually does have, right? Did he get chlamydia from that chick, Lydia? Man, that, 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 was a, that was a song in my high school, Luke. Back to the box, though. What's inside that box? A pair of fantastic main events this weekend. Let's start top rank ESPN, Las Vegas, 130-pound champions, both unbeaten. Unification when Shakur Stevenson, the 24-year-old southpaw, Maybe, maybe the next big thing in boxing, which is what he called himself at Thursday's final press conference, taking on the battle-tested Mexican warrior Oscar Valdez. Luke, um, this will have, for whatever people care if it still means anything, the Ring Magazine lineal championship will be on the line here. First time in this division since Pacquiao defeated Juan Manuel Marcus in their 2008 rematch, also at 130 pounds. So, Luke, um, this will declare the best in the world, the unified champion, but I think even more, as we talked about in Wednesday's storylines, we're, we're potentially declaring, you know, who, who's going to join that list of the major power players that, that have next in this sport that are in their mid-20s, and there's a bunch of them. This would be a monster step forward. Luke, as we speak right now, Shakur Stevenson, minus 600, your betting Ooh. favorite, fresh off the dismantling of Jamel Herring to capture that WBO 130-pound title. The the champion in the WBC, Oscar Valdez, plus 425. Luke, what are you going to be watching for in the first third of this fight that might inform you which direction we're going here? Uh, is Stevenson setting, what kind of uh, traps Stevenson is setting? 
because I think Valdez is going to pressure into him. He's going to try and push him backwards. Also, you know, you always got to pay attention. I, I say this every fight. It, it's slightly different fight to fight about where and how it matters. But the real estate here, I think if Stevenson is up against the ropes a little bit, or at least constantly on the rope line, that would be a bit of a problem. Although I do expect there will be some of that. You know, if he touches it, it's not some, some scandal. But if there's prolonged amount of time there, that would be a bad thing. But I want to see what traps he does to counterbox. I think that's really going to be the key because what's good, he's not going to be able to re-pressure Valdez backwards early, I don't think, unless he scores some massive shot or something. What's going to have to happen is he's going to have to absorb that pressure, make Valdez wary about it, and then later on begin to pressure him backwards um, uh, in kind. So the question is, as he takes that pressure early, what kind of traps is he setting and are they working or is Valdez overcoming them? Because here's the other key to this. In order to make the adjustments that he needs, they have to happen on a schedule. Like, this is why I always talk about with Floyd. People kind of overlook one of the points, which was if you can't beat him in the first six, you're not going to beat him in the last. But the point is, he didn't take very long to get his adjustments going. He made them pretty quick. After round two, after round three, maybe one after round five. So by round six, a lot of the steam of the other guy's offense has been taken off. I want to see a similar kind of train leaving the station uh, regularity with with trap setting, absorption of pressure, frustration for Valdez, and then a turning of the tide. That, to me, yes. is really yes. how Sh Sh Stevenson's going to win this contest. Wow. Uh, so you saw the, the, them standing across from each other. Now, they, they were both champions at 126 a couple of years back. Stevenson became the mandatory. He felt, as I said Wednesday, that Valdez was ducking him. He went up to 130. Stevenson followed. They both won titles on their own. Steven's still, still claiming, by the way, that this was supposed this date was supposed to be Valdez versus uh Navarrete, who was going to move up from 126. But the good news is they're both under the same promoter, same network. We made this fight. But you saw them standing across from each other, Stevenson, an inch and a half taller, two inches longer in reach. But obviously, Luke, first and foremost, the divide in speed is uh is gonna be massive here. So I really need to see how Oscar Valdez decides to deal with that. If he decides to deal with that straight up in the constant um, forward motion pressure that he was known for earlier in his career, I think Valdez will get chewed up and spit out, Luke, and it may end up looking a lot like Mayweather Corrales from 2001, like I mentioned, which was also at 130 pounds when, all, when both were also undefeated. The difference here is that Corrales was a betting favorite in that one, and Floyd just, you know, hot knife through butter, five knockdowns, Surprised us all. This time around, though, the, the odds makers, rightfully so, see this potential in Shakur Stevenson. That if the the, the speed, meaning hand and foot, is, is too wide, Valdez may never be in this fight. But, Luke, I think not only that, I think if he puts on uneducated pressure, reckless pressure, frustrative pressure, and, and there's no layers to it. Stevenson's going to chew that up. So it's really going to be on Eddie Reynoso, you know, Canelo's trainer and manager who trains Oscar Valdez. They're going to have to be so smart in the way that they they time Stevenson in the way that they're sure to not just, you know, be down four rounds to nothing off the start because the the difference in output is so big. And you got to really think about how you're going to fight somebody this talented and this dangerous because how did Juan Manuel Marquez in the end Deal with Pacquiao for four fights. Be the really the only guy of that era. I know Eric Morales beat Pacquiao in their first of three meetings. Great fight. All-time great fight. But none of those guys, Barrera, none of those guys had sustained stretches controlling Pacquiao when his speed and outburst was just ridiculous at that weight. 
except for Marquez. Yeah, he got knocked down a bunch, but he sat in there, Luke, and he was able to time the tornado that was Pacquiao. And because he was able to punch with him and at times punch harder and had the chin to stand in there as well, he was able to level those terms. But Luke, Oscar Valdez is very good. But he ain't Marquez, man. And even if you're trying to tell me that Stevenson ain't Pacquiao, you get my point, though. The gap here in skill might be so wide that this never becomes a fight. I need Oscar Valdez to make sure in the first half that this is a fight, that he's not completely down on the scorecards, that he has figured out some way to slow down, discipline the the, the quicker guy with the, with, the, with the bigger output. You know, if he doesn't do that, he's in trouble here, Luke. He is in trouble. So... Hmm. Uh, I don't know how he does that. You know, is it is it sh- is it sharp shooting from the outside for the big punch? Because you may look at these odds and go, "Why are you guys so excited about this fight? It's one sided." Well, no, two unbeaten champions with very contrasting styles. If Valdez can control the real estate, we got a fight here. He's fast enough. He's strong enough. He's got a great chin. But man, he's fighting a wizard. So, Luke, here's how I'm going to pin it to you. I mean, don't forget Valdez was an underdog against Miguel Burchell last year. Right, He moved up in weight to fight the boogeyman in that division. But he raised his game because of that influence of Eddie Reynoso, who really introduced a lot more craft and timing and, and poise into that, to really put on a performance that's the best of his career and that I didn't really know was possible. Can he exceed that to defeat Shakur? Because he'll have to. That That's up in the air. But the thing that hedges up against that is, Luke, I don't think we are freaking close to have seen the best of Shaker Stevenson yet. Like, not even freaking close. That's the scariest element in trying to handicap this fight. Right. Uh, and the other part, too, though, is Valdez was an underdog against Burchelt, but, man, Burchelt ain't Stevenson. No. Not no. at all. Not at all. Stevenson has a... Well, to your point, we haven't really seen him tested in a way where we got the full depth and breadth of his game. But from what we have seen, he is a massively uh, higher fight IQ, significantly more true athletic, real boxing ability. And so for those reasons, you know, while I give Valdez all the credit in the world for that Burchelt win, it was it was triumphant. It was the final moment was explosive. I mean, it was incredible. Dude, Stevenson is a whole other ball of wax, man. I know it's like a real dad thing to say, but Jesus, dude. Oh, it is. We- but look, listen to this. So so Stevenson's never been down, to my knowledge, and never been hurt or compromised By the way, much. Neither has Canelo, for everyone out there wondering. Yeah, no, no, seriously. Um, Stevenson did, though, feel the power of Jeremiah Nakantilla, the guy who just destroyed Burchell, right? And that comeback fight, just it wasn't a comeback. He sent him back down to hell. Um. And what he did with that, Luke, though, is he went into boxer mode from the outside. It was boring to watch, but he absolutely dominated once he felt the danger and pivoted away. Now, the good news, if you're a Shakur fan, is he didn't stay down that road of avoidance. He came back against Jomel Herring, who granted is not the puncher Nakatia is, but he stepped in there, made that an aggressive fight inside, even though he's the more skilled guy, and just put it all over Herring. If you're a Team Valdez, you have to bank on the idea that we have to hurt this kid. We have to push him to a level that he's never been before of not just pain, but, you know, pressure and needing to make adjustments. Obviously, if they don't do that, Luke, this will not be a fight. But, you know, have you sniffed out anything on Stevenson <laughs> that could let you know that's a problem, right? Like Floyd always had a great Floyd, never a big puncher, but always had a great chin and then had all those other intangibles to get out of trouble. 
Um, anything you've seen yet from Stevenson that could make you doubt if this becomes a fight that he could have issues in there? Nothing specifically in terms of how they match up in that way, which isn't to say it doesn't exist, but I, I can't pinpoint one at this juncture. But I do think the larger point you raise about this guy is very young. He's had a lot of success, but no one's ever really put it on him. You know, he got the silver medal in the Olympics, but no one ever really, like, stuck it to him and made him question things and made him think, like, oh, shit, like, how am I going to get out of this trouble? How am I going to get out of this problem? Valdez, I think, really has to go in there, and he, I don't, I don't think that Stevenson's some kind of volume machine either, so I'm not asking Valdez to be, but I think Valdez has to pick very high-quality shots. Yeah. High-quality shots. you got to really go in there and sting this dude. And you got to make him begin to doubt. You have to make him begin to like question. You have to make him be a little bit more reserved because if he just gets going and he's flowing in that high fight IQ he has and that overall ability, he's off to the races. You got to stop that dead in its tracks, which means you have probably have to fight on the inside to a degree if you can, which is why where the real estate takes place is a big deal. But BC, I think heavy body work is going to be key for Valdez, especially early. And I think you're going to have to really absolutely punish this dude. If he doesn't, if Valdez lands but isn't punishing, you would agree, no hope, right? Yeah, I, I think that's what we're coming down to, the final equation that he must hurt him. He must visibly hurt him to change the tide of this because you're not going to outbox him, right? Can you win rounds if this becomes a, a, a track meet, like a fast-paced fun fight, not a brawl, but a high-skilled, fast-paced fight? I would right. still question he can win enough rounds against Stevenson like that. Yeah, dude, you you gotta kind of you gotta go back, but but when I say I don't want I don't want Valdez to go back, like I said, to straight ahead pure brawling. There's really gotta be craft in the way he sets up his opportunities. But when those opportunities are there, if he can corner Shakur, if he can hurt him to the body, boy, does he have to jump in and and show the explosion that he showed against Burchell. Obviously, part of that big storyline we talked about Wednesday though is. We don't really know exactly where Valdez is and what version he is because of everything that happened with the tainted tea, the the failed supplement, yet he still went on and fought Robinson Conceição and looked flat and seemed to succumb to a lot of the pressure and, and bad headlines. I don't know. Maybe he kicks the tires on that, Luke, and, and, and comes back and is the very best of him again. But even if he's the very best of him, if he can't hurt Stevenson, he is in serious trouble. Luke, do you yeah. add... um? Any added elements to this that you got Valdez in San Diego with Team Canelo actually training with Canelo to a certain yep. degree, right? Because Canelo's preparing for that May fight. And then you've got uh, our boy Shakur bringing in Terrence Crawford, his his big bro, his you know mentor-mentee, little brother relationship they have. I mean, Luke, they spar all the damn time. And Shakur told me many times, dude, I, I, I have moments. I mean, I you know, I hold my own. I put it on Bud Crawford in there. Um <laughs> You know that that's that's a that sucks to to know that knowledge coming in when you're gonna face when you're gonna face Stevenson. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've seen different times. I think even in that fight against Conceição, there's times when you've seen uh, like after the fight or whatever, Canelo go and talk to him and be like, "You should have done this. You should have done this. You should have thrown it this way and have the shoulder position this way." And you could see Valdez being like, "Oh, right, right, right." I mean, what does this tell you? Eddie Reynoso is a boxing savant, man. You know, he really knows his stuff. And he's going to get the best out of Oscar Valdez. But what he cannot do is make Oscar Valdez somebody he is not. right? He cannot just make him somebody he cannot be. He can make him the best version of himself, but that's it. Dude, Yeah. the very best version of Stevenson, especially with Bud Crawford, who is a fucking genius, 
helping him. And if he's holding, dude, if you're holding your own with Bud Crawford, <laughs> I don't know who can beat you, to be quite honest. I, I mean, you know, very, 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 very few people. So Stevenson has his work cut out for him. But this, to me, is a very, this is going to be one of those key moments, BC, in Stevenson's career where we go back and look like, oh, this is where he leveled up. Now, Valdez can yes. spoil the party. But if he wins, and I suspect that he will, we're going to look back at this performance and be like, this This is, you know, not the same exactly, but this is a similar kind of moment of Errol Spence beating Kell Brook. Many, many differences. That's a great that, call. That yes. was a big moment when he just leveled up right there. And he did that to a certain degree last fight against Herring, but Herring is more, you know, tough Pedestrian. Out, Brook was a boxer. higher level fighter than than. than yeah, Herring. certainly not at this level. So, um, man, uh this could be still a great fight, but I think it's going to be more valuable to Stevenson if he wins, Luke, if if he has moments that he has to overcome. If he, you know, puts builds a lead in his boxing spectacularly and landing big shots, but then eats a big right cross, you know, midway through and suddenly we have to see more of his character. I do almost welcome that because I need to see, you know, is Shakur the really the real, real, real deal, right? Like, he looks like it. I need to see it. Will this be that fight? I, I tend to believe, Luke, we have a chance of this being that fight. Meaning, even if Shakur goes on to win and looks spectacular, he's going to have to really answer some questions that he never has before. At the very least, I'll say Valdez is that opponent that can do that. Will he? Will he lose 12 nothing and get, you know, painted on? That could be in play, too. But, Luke, let's find out. Let's go to the expert. Let's bring in Luke Thomas. I'm going to guess you're picking Stevenson, but how? What does it look like? Stevenson, ninth round TKO. Okay. I think it starts competitive, and then about four rounds in, Stevenson starts to pull away and doesn't look back. And I think I think Valdez is, I don't know how bad he's going to get beat up, but he'll get beat up bad enough for the referee to save him. Yeah. Yeah, I got an 11th round stoppage, and I probably got it more on cuts, more on the idea, you know, can he get a couple knockdowns? Maybe. Can get some some flush flash knockout knockdowns, even though Stevenson again not a big one punch guy, but so quick, so accurate, like a young Floyd. That sh damn right, he can hurt you. Um, Luke, this would be a monster statement if Shakur Stevenson like pisses on and stops him. I mean, again, look, this may be in the rear in the where, where we come back after a great fight and go, oh my god, we undervalued Oscar Valdez. Look what he did. He may do that. But if Shakur does what we in the betting oddsmen tend to think is possible, meaning, you know, can he, can he put a performance out that we've never seen? Yes. I think the better competition he faces, there's obviously inevitably a ceiling, a ceiling but the better the competition he faces, the, the brighter his skills will look because he'll have to raise that game. He'll have to get sharper, and you'll see even more dynamic stuff. Because I think, Luke, he's wired in a way that, the you know, the stage isn't too bright. He's ready to be that guy, right? So... If he stops him here, it's I've already got him, I think, at number nine or ten pound for pound. Most people have been waiting for one more. Dude, he's going to be in the middle of that top ten. And it and eventually he's gonna he's gonna either take over number one or be in a fight that if he wins it would get him number one. You know what I'm saying, Luke? He's of this ilk. That's why I've gotta I've gotta go big on him. I gotta stay, I gotta stay on this road. This is he's the goods, Luke. I love some things I see from Ryan Garcia, some things I see from Devin Haney. A lot of what I see from Tank Davis. But, dude, I love Shakur Stevenson. All right. I've got a... We should, it's 11.45. We've talked about one fight. We should probably move along. You guys want to talk about this COVID picture? You want to see it? Yeah, let's oh, go you to can the throw COVID it up, picture. Yeah. You're right. I mean, look, the thing is, on Friday, 
you know, I could take this thing off the tracks and just leave it in the ditch. You know what I mean? I know, I but our it. audience mostly cares about MMA, so we should probably. Yeah, yeah. Tell let's tell. Okay, with that in mind, let's go to the COVID picture. What do we got here, Corey? Yeah, no COVID, bitches. Okay. Okay. Look at my I mean, stupid. Is that fingers. a win? I don't know if that's a win, Luke. Is it a win? I mean, you're still no, because no, I probably have some new strain that this fucking test can't even pick yeah. up, and I'm dying actually. Yeah, so you should just go. call uh, Fauci himself and just get get his advice on that, Luke. But I'm I'm I hope you get well, Luke and Corey. Very Thanks. very a uh, good good day to pick hygiene on those nails, right? Looking good, man. I was gonna say, Luke, you working on those cuticles? What's going on there? You got a manicure? Is that Long Island Luke's hand? Yeah, right they're there? they're called teeth. Oh, that's Luke Thomas's hand that that, yeah. that was. You're right. I I, I missed this. Yeah, how the hell would he be holding you, fucking idiot? I I was caught up in the space time continuum there. Too many gigawatts uh, the, this morning, apparently. All right, <laughs> let's keep it going here. Uh, that card, by the way, is uh, on regular ESPN and a uh, lot of prospects worth watching, including in that co-main event, Keyshawn Davis. He's a big favorite in this one, but. He's coming. He's coming on. Nico Ali Walsh also on that, among some other prospects. Luke, let's go to what we're going to see in New York, Madison Square Garden, zone. The biggest women's boxing fight of all time. Number one versus two pound for pound. The four-belt lightweight champion unbeaten Katie Taylor against the most decorated champion in the history of this sport on the women's side. Seven times. Dead wrong me now. I said five times the other day. Seven division champion Amanda Serrano. Who's Is Pacquiao eight? Pacquiao is eight. He's the yeah. only male to get to eight. Um, I mean, even Luke in, the, in this era with so many belts where like Adrian Broner is a four division champion. He is like he actually is, even though he's, you know, like who'd he be? He beat Paulie. I mean, you know, you get my point. Yeah. Even in this era, that's still stupid. Impressive, by the way. Just ridiculous. Anyway, Luke, here we go. Big time main event. Ten rounds, two minute rounds. That's how we're doing it at this level. Your odds right now. Amanda Serrano, the unified featherweight champion, who's technically moving up in weight for this, minus 140 favorite, although she's won titles, as we said, between 118 and 140 pounds. And Katie Taylor, plus 115. Luke Thomas, I think the odds makers did get it right in the end. Serrano's got the power advantage. She's super versatile. She's fought in all different weights. She's been around a lot longer. Yeah, that's right. But would you agree this is still... As 50-50 as you could get. I mean, this yeah. is really, if you're going to do a damn fight and put this type of, you know, label on it, these are the right two, Luke. This is going to be incredible. I say there is one difference between them, BC. One difference that's, I think, noteworthy. One thing, or a couple things that I saw when Amanda Serrano fought on those Jake Paul cards. We'll see what game plan she employs against Taylor. So that could be a bit of a wild card here. But in the fights that she had on the Jake Paul undercards, she was what I would call stubborn. Stubborn in the sense of she had one game plan, a couple of minor adjustments to keep it alive. But there were times where her opponents, who were outmatched in this case, landed on her and she didn't really adjust around it. She kind of just ate through it. Yeah, I will, I, will, I will just jump in and say, I really think she was trying like hell to impress and just get a big knockout and took yes. on more punishment than she would necessarily do if there were more stakes on the fight. I think that's entirely fair. I'm just pointing out she did do that. So it will be it will be important to see what kind of game plan she does here. Again, we go back to it. They both are absolute punching machines. They both have high volume. They both have high work rate. To me, Taylor, a little bit more of a sharpshooter than Serrano. But Serrano, although, although you know, both have their experiences this way, and I'm going to give the edge in body punching 
to someone like Amanda Serrano. Here's the thing I need to think about, BC. We said that these rounds, like we had Cool Boy Steph taking on uh, Figueroa, like some of those rounds are a little hard to score, a little bit hard to yeah. know exactly what happened. I think you're going to get that. Here's one dude, thing to think dude, about. Seri with the two minutes set up, you're going to. You're you're going to get that. Totally. No question about it, dude. To you're going to totally. be split after so many of these rounds. I think it's possible early that Amanda Serrano will take more head punches and look physically messed up a little bit earlier in the fight than Taylor. However, should the fight go later and Serrano stays busy with the body work, which I think she will, to me, BC, I'm not going to ignore the first six to eight rounds. That's not what I'm saying. But I am going to pay attention a little bit more. I'm going to lean in like that meme a little bit more closely after six, after eight, because I think Serrano is going to have probably, unless she's just way better, which I don't think she is, she's going to have her bet. The, the, the fruits of her labor, labor will appear later in this contest. So then you have to ask yourself, how much fruit will there actually be? I might be leaning a little bit Taylor by virtue of the fact that I think that Serrano actually has had a incredibly tough road and might be in some ways a more... I like her game better at a bare minimum. I really do. I I I, I love her body punching, but Taylor yeah. is an absolute brick wall, man. I'm I'm curious to see if this fight gets decided a based on what you have pointed out the two minute rounds making it difficult to score, but leaning towards Taylor because I think she's going to mark up Serrano a little bit quicker than Serrano is going to mark her up, and I think that's going to sway the judges a little bit. Yeah, if, if there's any, even though Serrano can do it all, and she can't. She's done it. She's fight any style, right? Um, if you if you're telling me just in a track meet, who has the the advantage if if there were no knockdowns and no, and no knockout and we go the distance, dude, that's what Katie Taylor does and can do and has proven that a lot. And so, Luke, if Katie Taylor, in my opinion, is not the aggressor and not looking to, I don't want to say like milk the system, but use the two minute round system and be first, be always, but definitely be last. And, you know, try to out volume as many rounds as she can. She's going to have to show a great chin, of course, but she's done that in the past. But I don't think she can win unless she does that. So the question is, what will Serrano's response be? You know, can she humble that and discipline that with a big shot early? Or, or like you're saying, maybe it's the commitment to the body and being willing to lose those rounds. But Serrano's got to be wary of that two minute setup, in my opinion, and not gamble on that too often. Like, yeah, you got to put some money in the bank. You have to, you know, work a few rounds and try to set up the big shot that you think could change the momentum and end it. But again, this is only 10 rounds and, and it's not like they're both new to that distance, but you got to make your statements and you got to make them large. So will that come for Serrano from, you know, looking to counter what she can do? Will that come from trying to up her output and trying to, you know, box Taylor from distance and make Taylor chase her? I don't know if she can pull that off for long stretches. It's tough. Katie Taylor's been in a few competitive fights. Her fights are always fun to watch. But, you know, you have to talk about the two Delphine Pursuit ones when you talk about what's the most we've seen her, you know, specifically in the first one, Madison Square Garden, AJ Ruiz one undercard. Amazing fight, Luke. I was there. Just an amazing fight. But Pursuit just, just was like, I'm going to absorb everything you have and not even, like, get out of the way or try to. But I'm also just going to try to throw bombs the whole fight, and I'm going to try to keep up with your output. The difference here, Luke, is I don't. I think Pursuit is far more limited compared to Serrano, and I also think Serrano's got a power advantage. So 
Uh, you know, look, I thought the first fight was was at best a draw. I think you could have scored it for for pursuing it. Taylor won it, and even though the second fight was really fun, I thought Taylor was more in command of it. But like, could Serrano match that volume if she really wanted to? Yes. But Luke, I think she has enough power where there's going to come a point where she's going to either you know hurt Taylor and make her make a tough decision of of fight or flight. You know, or whatever, or she's going to put it on her. Because Pursuit wore Taylor down, definitely stung her, but turned that into such an absurd track meet that we <sighs> saw Taylor, to be honest, hanging on for dear life. Dude, I think Serrano's got a lot of way, a lot more ways she can win this fight than Taylor, Luke. And I really want to see if she's... I don't want her to wait too long, but I want to see the first time she really lands something big with that left hand. It could be a hook to the body. It could be a overhand left. I want to see how Taylor's going to going to keep you know fielding that because I think Taylor has to keep that same energy and keep that pressure going to win. How many of those left hands can she eat though on the way there, Luke? That's the thing. That's the key thing. Let me play um let me play a, it's a fine point to make. Let me play an X factor game and see what you think. Now, I don't want to speak for either of these communities because I'm not a part of them and I don't know what they're going to do or how it's going to look or anything like that. But this fight's in New York City. New York City has, if folks who may not know, they have a ton of Irish immigrants there. And I mean, like, from Ireland. I worked at a bar, an Irish bar, when I, I bounced at one when I was living in New York City when I was 23 years old. It was all run by Irish people. And, of course, need I tell you that there is a giant Puerto Rican community there as well. Both make New York City better, and I'm glad they're there. But I don't know who supports the their fighter better. My hunch, BC, my hunch is that there's going to be a bigger Irish Probably, contingent yeah. then there is going to be a puerto rican one only because i think katie taylor has been embraced more at home oh they're gonna Serrano travel has here dude they're gonna travel from home to, to, yeah. to follow her here. so how There's much no is that going to play a role too i don't think it's going to be too crazy of a role because i think Th serrano is is long proven she's she's tough that's not going to matter to her she'll be fine no, being but the, the crowd cheering on anything katie taylor does affecting the judges You're right that's so real, that's what man. i was going to get to was was the the real question is the is the scoring by the judges with those two minute rounds it, it favors output it favors a track meet unless you can visibly hurt somebody so luke like that's the thing the there's a there's a strong reality here based on what we're both saying that Taylor could be up, you know, at the midway point, you know, four to one even. And Serrano's going to have to ask herself, you know, do I really think there's an opening here to land this this big shot or do I need to go box and match that output? Things could get very interesting there, Luke, around that midpoint. Because I feel like I know who Taylor's going to be. I want to see if she could take the power, of course. But I feel like she's going to be the most consistent. I think it's Serrano, because she has more ways to win, it's going to be up to her how she utilizes that, how she goes to plan B and C and D. Is it going to be a mixture of styles to win this fight? That's going to be interesting to watch. Yes, I, I certainly agree with that. I mean, dude, this one's going to be, I have a feeling like, I have a feeling that Stevenson's going to beat up Valdez before it's all said and done. I have a feeling both of these two are going to get beat up in the process. I could not imagine this one ending before five, even nine, to be perfectly honest with you. It's 12 rounds, right? It's a full 12? 10. 10, 10 sorry, 10. 10 rounds. Even then, for before the first eight, I can't imagine it being stopped. I think this one's going to go to the judges, and I hate to say it <clears throat> because I, you know, boxing judging is what boxing judging is. But we're at the mercy of what they're going to give us in two minute rounds. This one's going to be super, super, super close. I think. I mean, we'll see. But my hunch is that this is going to come down to this punch, this wobbling in yes. this round, adding I think up. You're right. It's I think be, you're it's right. Be a hair. You just nailed it. You just nailed it. We're gonna. It's going to be a. 
Barry Tompkins, how do you like it after uh, Leonard Hagler? It's going to be like that, Luke. Um, the volume and the accuracy of Taylor mixed with those handful of moments that Serrano wobbles her or hurts her, or maybe gets a knockdown. Who knows? Um, damn, I do think it's going the distance too. But I think ultimately what separates them is the punching power and it is the versatility of Serrano, which we cannot forget. She can do it all. She can counterpunch you from the outside. She can out pure box you and she's got length and she you know she knows great footwork and she can brawl too and she can punch big she wins a decision here luke i got serrano by decision it could very easily go to taylor and i'll be the one telling you no i scored it the other way i think it's going to be that close but here's what i want here's the gift that they can give back to us and back to this women's sport which which is growing steadily you know slowly but surely if they can create a need for another, maybe another. I mean, no, but at the very least, Luke, if we can come out of this fight Saturday night going, not only was that amazing and it's the best of what women's boxing can bring, but I got to see the sequel and I got to see it next. That's the best case scenario. I hope you're right. But I, 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 I'll just say this. May the best per- fighter win and may the judges accurately reflect what, what happens in the fight. Other than that, I don't have much else to say. Okay. I hope both women fare well is what Luke's saying. Okay. I hope they have fun. Thank you. Oh, uh, Luke, don't forget Jesse Vargas, Liam Smith on that undercard, 154 pound battle, which could get really fun. Uh, don't yeah. miss out on that. Also Saturday night, it is time UFC fight night. Luke, are we back at the damn apex? Are we? Yeah, we are. We are. Okay. There you go. Luke Dude, they could not take this card on the road. Yes, they could yes, not take this card on the road. A hometown card here. We mentioned on Wednesday with the storylines, slim pickings on the undercard, but a few things you might be able to talk yourself into. You don't have to talk yourself into liking Bantamweight's Rob Font, Marlon Vera. Plus 105 as we speak. Is Vera your betting underdog against the minus 125 Font, even though Vera's won two in a row since losing to Jose Aldo. Rob Font, of course, fresh off the loss to Aldo, which ended his four-fight win streak. Luke, uh, it's telling you we could see five fun-ass rounds here. Uh, let's start here. Do we go the distance here? How are you looking at what, what it's going to look like when these styles match up? I do think we go the distance unless Cheeto gets the stoppage. I don't think Rob can finish Vera. I mean, folks don't realize this, dude. Vera is tough as shit. Like, whatever else you want to say about him as a fighter, and he is a very good fighter, but... You know, went the distance with John Lineker. I mean, you go and look. The, I think he went the distance with Song Yudong as well. Like, this dude is fucking tough, bro. Very, very tough. So, I don't really believe that Font has the firepower to put him away unless, you know, Vera makes a really critical error. And even then, I don't think it's going to happen. The other way could happen because Vera has much more of a wide-open style relative to Font anyway. And, you know, he's a little bit more of a kicker than Font is. A little bit more of a risk-taker than Font is. I think a little bit more of a submission threat, although that's a little bit dicey as well, but still a little bit more of a submission threat than than Font in certain cases anyway. So to me, what the, what is this fight about? Rob Font, great jab, much cleaner mechanics, really sits behind it, builds offense in that way. BC, 5.64 strikes landed per minute. That is very high. And he absorbs 3.55. That's a little on the high end, but it's a really great positive differential over two full integers. By contrast, Marlon Vera, 4.08 strikes landed per minute. That's pretty good. Strikes absorbed, 4.27. So he's got a negative differential. Now, he can get away with it, BC, because he is so tough and so durable. Yes. But if we're scoring points, that obviously ain't great. This is a fight where if Font, pay attention to this one. 
if doesn't matter if he's leading or backing up, if Font is working behind the jab and Vera has a hard time negotiating the distance as a consequence, it's not a fight Vera can win. I'm looking at A, B, C, Font's jab, and B, I'm looking at the leg kicking from Vera. I want to see the leg kicking from Vera. He is a prodigious kicker. He's good at it. He has some, He's pretty heavy with him. I want to see what he does to slow down Rob Font's boxing with his Muay Thai because he can't beat him with boxing to boxing, but he can beat him with relying on his strengths and then sort of applying them over the game of Rob Font. Yeah, I think that's an accurate foundation to build, that what, what we could see and, and how things might develop here. Uh, two top ten guys, number five, Rob Font. I believe eight is Vera. We talked about the stakes you know, it puts them in that in that you know in that upper room. Okay, these guys are let's start fitting them for their title shot, more or less. I mean, you're gonna have to win a couple more, but you're there. But my casual knowledge will tell you between the two, Luke, I like Vera better on the ground. Ooh, how does he get it there? Is does it come through looking to shoot, or is it more, you know, if it if it goes there, if he ends up there, it could benefit him. Well, I'll say you this. Rob Font's takedown defense is not that great. Just 55%. That's low. That's low. For a fighter at this level, that's low. Takedown accuracy for him is 36. Takedown defense for Cheeto Vera, 70%. Much higher. Now, his takedown accuracy is a little bit low. And takedown accuracy is a little bit of a misunderstood um, metric. But suffice to say, yeah, there are opportunities where if you're if you're able to tie... If, if, if he can slow Rob Font down and then time him and get underneath him or mix it in as part of a combination where Rob Font is really feeling it and has to cover and, you know, transfer the defense up top. It's absolutely in play. And plus, dude, Chito Vera can work from the back as well. I agree with you. On the ground, Chito Vera to me is much, much better. Getting Font there and holding him down, hard to do, hard to do. Um, and, I mean, the totality of it obviously only has 55% takedown defense, but the totality of keeping him in those positions can be quite difficult. But, dude, is it very possible that Cheeto could get him down, find the back, put on the body triangle, and hold around a la Aljamain Sterling to Peter Yan? Yes, yes. It, is, it is very, very, very possible in that sense. Again, Cheeto cannot beat Rob Font straight-up boxing. He can't do it. But there's a lot of other ways where he could make this very difficult for him. And he's got five rounds to do it, so if he's going right. to go the, the calf kick method to try to build that foundation, there's time to work with there at the very least. And look, if if Cheeto comes out and the difference in striking, because Font's an excellent boxer, if that's wider than even he thought, you know, you can almost sort of take a knockdown or pull a guard to try to hope to 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 change that momentum, as you're saying, on the ground and get that control. That's something to look forward to. Look, I love when Cheeto just comes out, and most of the time he does, but like carefree, violent Cheeto Vera, right? Like he mixes yeah. those two, he finds the middle ground on that, and when he's flowing, right? I mean... You know, a little bit of Masvidal gangster in that, but like, I, I just don't think he's figured out the, how to really get the best out of him yet. Though, like, he's gotten close a couple times. He's on the rise. He's a he's you know he's an entertaining fighter as shit. But like, there's something he's still ironing out that's going to get him to that next level. I really can't put my finger on what it is, Luke. You. Well, he changed trainers. He left Colin Oyama. Um, I honestly the parts of the game that I Chito's pretty fucking good, man. Um, yeah, maybe the boxing actually, maybe the pure boxing is the thing that his boxing as a part of a Thai boxing game is pretty good. His pure boxing by itself is the part that could be a trouble. But you know, we're, we're looking at the Edgar fight here. 
I also just wouldn't want to take away his game where he's excelled, like with the elbows, with the front kick whoop, right up the middle like he did when, when Edgar never saw it coming. Like That's the Chito Vera special. You don't want to take him away from that. But I do think having a few more options in the boxing space to yes. round out your game could really help him because he is tough, he is durable, he is in good shape, he is well-rounded. Just adding that little extra component could do a lot for him. I mean, he has insanely great violent explosions, right? Of like, you know, combinations and, and swerves, but uh, you'd like to see him maintain. You'd like to see him. I mean, like, he's pretty damn technically strong, too. He's ready. He's ready to go here, Luke. Yet, is the betting underdog. We know of Font's background, the win streak, dude. He looked impressive as shit during that win streak, which ended with Jose Aldo. Do you, can you, do you believe that Font can get right back on the horse and continue to grow? Because some guys when they get leveled out, more or less, they stay that way, or they go in the other direction, you know? Do you see Rob Font as a guy that can bounce right back here and win this big fight? Yes, absolutely. Rob Font is well-trained. He is very experienced. I think he absolutely believes in himself, too, which is a really key component of it. Um, the Garbrandt win, I think, did a lot for his confidence. And, you know, he got outclassed by Jose Aldo, but so what? You know, Jose Aldo's Jose Aldo. I think he took a lot from that experience, and... I, I, the other, you know, I don't think he just believes he can win, but in the individual components of his game, like you actually talked to him about his jab and his boxing, these are things he really takes a lot of pride in because he's put a lot of work into them. I, he, he, you know, he is going in there, not a doubt in my mind to win because he not only believes he's the better fighter, I think he believes he's the more technical fighter. And in the space in which he operates, that's generally going to be true. That's the key for Marlon Vera. Chito cannot let, cannot let this be like. If this is a, if it cannot look like a Rob Font fight, it cannot because he cannot win yeah. that way. It has to look more like a wide open kind of fight. And if it gets wide open, or Vera's retreating or something, or excuse me, uh, 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 Font's retreating, then that's winnable. But as long as you know this guy's doing this and then sticking the jab out and he's on his way, he 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 will win. It's funny. I was just talking about you know long term. Maybe Cheeto needs to siphon the violence a little so it can sustain better but look those violent outbursts the dramatic swings of momentum are kind of what cheeto seems to thrive on right you know what i mean like he he responds well in those moments so look very very well like we saw at the top font could be piecing him up early maybe i do need to see a, a violent chance taking vera to to dramatically try to take back the momentum when he feels he's lost it Maybe that's where he's the most dangerous. I don't feel like it's a great long-term plan to maximize yourself necessarily, but you can swing and connect your way to, to, to big opportunities fighting like that. I will say this, too, something we haven't talked about. I mean, we, we mentioned it briefly, the durability of Vera. You know, looking at these slides, you know, remember, Font went, the I think, the full distance with Cody and couldn't put him away. I'm not saying that Font can't punch hard. He can. He has some stoppages. What I am saying is, you know, dude, Vera... <laughs> You have to hit, hit Vera with a fucking sledgehammer if you want any hope yeah. of putting him on the canvas. And I don't think Vera, excuse me, I don't think um, I don't think Rob Font can do that. So one element of danger here is not merely all the various skills that a guy like Chito Vera possesses, and those are significant. On top of that, if you don't put him away, dude, he's going to be right in your face in the fifth round. He does not get tired. You know, Rob Font's uh, ability to stick behind the jab and use lateral movement is great. But that's going to be tested here because I don't. I, I really have a hard time seeing him substantially hurt Chito Vera. I can see him winning rounds based off you know scoring the more effective damage or whatever, but I cannot see him substantively like really hurting Vera. And for those reasons, and MMA being as chaotic as it is, BC, 
If Vera is still in this fifth round, and maybe he lost the first four, but he's not hurt, dude, he's going to come out like a fucking bat out of hell uh, after yeah. Rob, um, Rob Font, and that will be very, very difficult for him. Pay attention to that. Dude, the fan in me wants Vera to win this because, you know, he's he's fun. He's fun as shit to watch, Luke. Uh, and, I, and I think he's getting great. He's becoming, you know, slowly becoming very, very good. Uh, man, Font might do this. Just piece him up over five rounds. Play it technical like he always does. This is the type of opponent that that strategy works the best against, Luke, for Rob Font. If he's going to just be that hard, punching, technical fighter, just constantly shut off the, the barriers of entry for Vera. He may be able to do this and sustain this over five rounds and win and win a clear decision. So um, I'm going Rob Font here, Luke. You know, I don't care what you think about that, though, at all. I'll say this. I, I mean, it's win. not like losing to Rob Font is some kind of chump move. Dude, Rob Font is very good. But what I would say is if Cheeto can't figure out a way after five rounds to get around what Rob Font is doing, that would be something of a major setback for him. Not a setback in the sense that you, you lost to somebody great. That's not a setback. But what that if Rob Font wins in that way, so which is to say Cheeto loses in that way, you know, there might be a little bit of moment of reflection about like how is it possible I could not get around this guy's jab for basically 25 minutes. There would be a moment of reflection there. Oh, look, of course, he could go in there and beat his fucking ass, in which case none of this is relevant. But um, just the, 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 the results here could tell you a lot, man. It could tell you a lot. I, lo I actually love this fight. I think it's great. Yeah, it's very good. Do you think the winner here is more likely... To fight somebody in and around the same position as them, like a Devalish Wheelie, or Luke, do you <laughs> see them fighting a higher ranked guy coming off a loss, like a Sandhagen? Yeah, you might get the Sandhagen one because these guys will then move in. Like for Cheeto, this would put him top five. For Rob, this would be like firm stamp top five. And then we've talked about it four on up are all those guys who we think you know either could or do you know have the title. Um, yeah, it's got to be. And Sandhagen's looking for a bounce back one, and I think. If Cheeto beats Font, that's great. If Font wins, that's great. Either e the winner of this clearly puts themselves in a position for some of the very top dogs in this division. Sanhagen needs to get back, and I, yeah, I love that idea. I think that's exactly the route that they go, and I would, I would, I would welcome it. Uh, Luke, far from a deep card under it, something to note: they rescheduled that heavyweight bout. I think it's on the prelim still. It might be the feature prelim when Alexander Romanov, right? Romanov, the unbeaten, takes on Chase Sherman. Luke Romanov. A minus 2,200 betting favorite. So, wow. Wow, Jesus. right there, Luke. He has been a hammer, dude. <laughs> he is on a nice run, this guy. He is guy. good. He's a good yeah. fighter. All right, but when you look up and down this card, Luke, all right, what what's going to be the best fight? That's a that's question A. And question B, which fight, who can benefit the most from a win in, on this undercard? Well, to your point, um, if... If Romanov loses to Chase Sherman, I would consider that Chase Sherman's best win. Romanov's good. And Chase Sherman would, I mean, that would be a big, coming in on late notice on top of it, like that would be a yeah. really good win for him. I'm going to say pay attention. I've said it on Wednesday. I'll repeat it again. Tetsuro Taira, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I don't speak Japanese. This guy's a fucking beast. He is good. Out of Valley Tudo, Japan, I believe, or shoot, yeah, I believe in Valley Tudo, Japan. Dude, uh, under, I think he's undefeated as well. He is on 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 tape. On tape, he looks amazing. On tape, he looks amazing. So we'll see what he can do here against a guy who does not have a great profile, Carlos Candelario. We'll see. Um, but I have my eye on him. Somebody like a. It's funny, man. When I first got into MMA, you know, right around the two thousands. Well, I mean, I've been watching it for longer than that. But like, you know, getting reacquainted with it. 
in the early 2000s, dude, there were elite Japanese fighters everywhere except maybe the heavyweight division. And then Fujita rocked Fedor. And you're like, shit, Fujita might do it here too. And now they've kind of been depleted now that the polar, the 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 major poles, so to speak, of uh, MMA have shifted over to North America and to South America or, you know, um, Brazil anyway. And, you know, uh, other countries now. Um, you, you, you People have lost sight of the fact that Japan used to be a fucking factory of elite guys but there are still some coming out of there that are worthy of your respect we'll see what happens with tetsuro tyra on saturday but he is one to keep your eye on for sure looks like they got a sweatshop there of fighters yeah (laughs) i don't know about Uh, sweatshop but they but they but they they're good at producing them uh luke there's good i'm telling you right now darren elkins and tristan Connolly are are, they're gonna go to war luke it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be sloppy and brito as well yeah, it's gonna look like the 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 backside of a Seven Eleven in Middle America, Luke. Right? That's where that's where you hang out, and inevitably, inevitably, a fight's gonna break out. We saw McDonald's parking lots. And have you seen this shit? I grew up in a place, Luke, that gets down in a McDonald's parking lot. All right. Um, I've never gotten busy in a Burger King bathroom, though, Luke. I mean, who? I mean, who has? Right? That's a uh, disgusting people. Also, great rappers. Yeah. Great, ra- great rappers, great rappers indeed. Uh, Luke, I have nothing else to say really about this UFC card. Okay. Yeah, no, the card's not great. Oh, this sorry. Is big, quickly, big... quickly, Andre Feely, Luke. I, I feel like Feely, we want Feely him versus Brito. We want Feely to be to be you know really good and, and enter title contention. And there's times, I mean, dude, he beat Charles Jordan by split decision. There's times that you go, oh, he's ready. Now he's coming off a, a clear loss to Bryce Mitchell and then a no contest. Is there still time, Luke? I mean, this, you know, he's got flashes of brilliance. Um, I say this. I said it on Wednesday. It's worth repeating. Go back and watch the fight with Bryce Mitchell. Yes, Bryce Mitchell won. He won fairly. But you compare that to what Edson Barboza did. Feely gave him a significantly harder time and probably took the second round, I would argue, maybe. So it was 1-1 heading into the third or, or you know, something close to that. And then, you know, Bryce put it on him late. And Bryce is Bryce. Bryce is very, very talented, as we now know. So, that to me... Yes, some work for Feely to do in the grappling department as it relates to that. This fight, Mayer probably won't test that, so this is going to be more of a striking affair. But remember, he gave Sadiq Youssef all he could handle for a while as well. Like, Feely has always been, like, right there, right there, right there. This would be a good chance against somebody who doesn't have quite the names of, um, you know, a Bryce Mitchell or or uh, Sadiq Youssef, but a very talented guy just the same in Joe Anderson Brito uh, to, to really reestablish himself and get back in the in the winning column. So tough fight, good fight. Winnable for Feely, but we'll, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Luke, did you ever see that movie that uh, Mr. Faber co-financed that Andre Feely starred in? It was a weed thriller. Dude, I have a voiceover in it. I'm in that movie. Oh, dude, you're you're right. You're in the opening scene. We have talked about yeah. this. Okay, yeah, we have yeah. talked about this. Luke, I I took you know a free copy of that in 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 exchange of interviewing Faber, and it was you know it was fun. Whatever, it was great. Faber's great. But then I watched the movie, Luke, and I, I went from going, oh, man, this this is low budget and it sucks to, you know, this is actually pretty good. You know, they're doing an interesting twist to, oh, my God, this is violent <laughs> as shit, dude. Like, what? Like wow, this one's crazy. Luke, I, that's a good watch. Did you watch the movie? I have not seen it. I have not seen okay, it. Okay, I need you to watch it. Uh, Touchy feel is good in it, too. He's, he's, I've heard, you're not the only person to tell me that, by the way. Someone else has told me that, too. I forget who, but. I've heard it from a few different places. Um, I think it was made by my coworkers at SiriusXM back in the day. But I mean, it's like a yeah, January sixth thriller. The movie, it's great, Luke. You know, people, a lot of people will love it. Um, it's 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 fun and games. All right, that's it for the UFC card, Luke. Let's go quickly to topic five. I think we've got a uh, uh, a John Jones update, Luke. Uh, there's been some tweeting, and um, 
here's a John Jones tweet regarding his possible return. It says, Stipe is saying he will be at his absolute peak in September. I'm disappointed, but patient. I want the heavyweight goat at his absolute best. I'll wait until September. No excuses. Luke, uh, you and I, by the way, both have uh, interviews to watch right now on YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. You talked to Rose Nama Yunus yesterday. I talked to Juliana Pena the day before, so everybody check out both of them. They're great. But Pena was like, I want to be on the Joan Stipe card against Amanda Ooh. in September. I want the money. I want to be on the big one. Luke, it's starting to feel like it's going to happen. Not July, like UFC wanted, but maybe in September. Um, We get there? No, no hiccups? Interim title? Let's do this. <laughs> I mean, you know, many a man has been, uh, you know, what is it? The, the, the best laid plans of mice and men, right? Yeah. Um, I hope. I hope. But I'll also say, I don't want folks to forget this. Everyone wants to just forget this dude had all of these, like, insane life problems. You know, we're just supposed to forget about that because he's a prize fighter. On some level, that's not our business. On some level, to an extent, it can be. Either way, though, the thing I care most about, to be honest with you, like, I only want John Jones fighting if he's actually, like, really trying to get healthy. If he's actually not trying to get healthy and he's just doing the same old bullshit in one method or the other, then I really don't give a fuck if he ever comes back, to be to be quite candid. So... Um, we'll see. Like, I, I would like, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but with John, man, like you cannot firmly make plans with this dude. You cannot like dinner plans or like any business life plans, scheduling plans, anything. Right. He, he is right. simply not reliable, which isn't to say that every time it falls through, but he dude, is like, not consistent enough. All right. I'm, I'm going to be the blind optimist. We're going to get this fight. It's going to be for the interim title. I mean, look, this is a pretty badass fucking fight to sell. It's like the oh, greatest yeah. heavyweight of all time in our under our banner against the not only the greatest light heavyweight who's moving up, but the greatest fighter of all time. I mean, look, dude, John Jones is the GOAT, Luke. I mean, he's the damn GOAT. Yes, he right? is. I mean, everyone wants to talk about Hamzat's rise, and maybe people were disappointed. Maybe they weren't with the last fight. I'll just say this. On all my time, I've never seen anyone else do what John did. I mean, I lived he's... Right, I lived right through his ascension, and I've not seen anyone else do that. Dude, there are great fighters in, in all combat sports that come on the scene and sometimes they're flashy and you don't know if you want to believe them and usually your test to to decide whether you're going to give in and love them is do they have that backbone do they have those intangibles dude as, forget personally john's got issues they're recurring issues but in the in the fight surface in the in the cage luke he's a genius he's a not only a genius he's a 10 out of freaking 10 rock solid chin punch resistance um, ability to navigate while hurt. I mean, Luke, he's a, that's why he's the goat at the end of the day, the flashy stuff, the, the, the long arms, the IQ, all that stuff can get you there too. But to also be that dude at the end of the day. And now we're going to see him against a Stipe who, every time I doubt him, Luke, he comes through with a, something huge and knocks out Daniel Cormier. You know what I'm saying? This could be, this could be an epic, an epic battle. Um, or it couldn't. Or it ends up being one-sided one way or the other. Either John has completely recaptured all of the greatness that he once had and he'll tear into him, or Stipe finds another gear and John can't get over... By the way, the other part is he's been gone, what, three years or some shit at that point? Like some crazy-ass long layoff? Like what's he going to look like after all that time? Is he going to be rusty? Like, I mean, you know, look, you know what can happen? When Roy Jones got knocked out by Tarver, dude, it, it was like... I think in sports history, that's one of the biggest gut punch moments ever. No matter who you, if you're a fan of Roy or not, to see the, you know, like the guy, to see the, the 
Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan of, of the sport at that time, you know, just hit that wall. And of course it happened again in the next fight against Glenn Johnson, but it was just like, Oh my God, it's over. Like they, they caught up to him. Like they, and it's over. Like that's also in play sadly for Jones as well. Luke. You know what I mean? That's why yes. I think him being out so long has really added back some juice and almost romance to the idea of him coming back with all these uncertainties. Like, uh, like I'm not saying it's great for his life. I'm saying just to be juiced up for a fight. It's all there with this. It's all yes. that and then some. Yeah. yeah. This could be. This could be. Uh, depending if you're a Stipe or Jones fan, epically disappointing. Absolutely. Epically disappointing yeah. in the sense of not a bad fight per se, but Stipe looks old as shit, or John looks like he hadn't picked up a fucking you know uh, uh, MMA glove to hit pads or whatever in three years. Like I mean, I'm not sure. I'm sure that's not the case in, in either direction. But who knows exactly what level you're going to get we know what they're at at their best or what we think is their best do we get more than that do we get less than that like there's a there's no way to know there's just there's no, no way, way to, to know. know and so this is why they got to fight it out uh quickly look we had uh the second card on the 2022 pfl season on thursday night i fell asleep Ar at my desk watching it yeah, from Arlington, Texas, to put you to sleep. <laughs> so, there should be like, if they could have a fighting cage smart enough, Luke, to, to know that and sense that and wake you up with a text You know, message, I got a great. feeling, BC, that that cage ain't all that smart. I really am oh, beginning I, to question I, that branding. Dude, I bet you that cage has access to your search history. Like, I guarantee it, dude. That, that's, that cage is way smarter than you If realize. I turn the cage upside down, does it spell the word boobs? <laughs> I hope. I do hope. Anyway, Luke, it did go down at Esports Stadium, Arlington. Wow, that's that's that that's a thing, Luke. Um, look, I watched it. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. Was a fun no, watch. I, I'm only saying that. I want to be clear. I'm not hating on PFL. I only fell asleep because I was sick and I took medicine. I didn't. I, I'm not saying it was some shit show. It was, it was fine. It was good. It was good. Uh, the it's worth talking about the heavyweight <laughs> main event though because Bruno Capeloza from Brazil. Dude, is he the most reliable guy in the PFL? Oh my for just god, dude, he's getting better. Action? So he wins last year's heavyweight tournament and is involved in some really fun fights, but yet is durable as shit and you know kind of has a Glover Teixeira edge to him in some ways. Like you can kind of see that swagger. Maybe it's just the bald head. But Luke, he came back in even better shape, dude. He's bricked up, man. Like he's lean and muscular and ready to do damage. And he put it on Stuart Austin here. Uh, you know, the power, it, it, it moved Austin, and it moved him to the canvas, Luke. Um, damn, we saw some ground action from Bruno as well. Luke, I don't know how old this guy is, but, like, he's coming on a bit. Like, we got to watch out for him. Yeah, dude, he's great. I mean, this is this is what you love about PFL is, like, is every fight great? Do you like all the tournaments? There's a lot that goes into watching the PFL experience, but one of the better parts I like is, listen, UFC and Dana White's Contender Series are not going to discover every interesting fighter in the space. It's not going to happen, even if they have close to or at monopolistic control of the industry. There's going to be other places. If you're an MMA fan and you want to see the best MMA fights, yes, the majority of them are going to be in the UFC, but a lot of them are going to be in PFL and Bellator and One and other kinds of places. And it, it's worth looking around and seeing what else is out there. This has been such... Whoever scouted and found this guy... You know, could he have the same success if he was fighting the very best in his weight class in UFC? I don't know. But I don't want to know. I like exactly what yeah. he's doing. I don't need anything else from Bruno other than exactly what he has done. It's been, to your point, he won last season's tournament. So he has already enriched himself and made himself a bit of a name. And this guy is fucking reliable for just insane, punishing action every single time. Winning in the, what, what one round last night, uh, or less than a round. So... 
I just love everything about what he's doing. I like that PFL found him. I like that they feature him at the top of cards. This is great. Dude, PFL has found not just Bruno uh, Cabalazzo, but other guys, Hauschman, Fio, and a bunch of other ones who are like, wow. <clears throat> well, seeing these him, guys are great. And seeing the shape he was in, Luke, it reminded me of like when the first season of a TV show does better than people thought and it gets popular. And then the off season, even the nerdy characters are coming back bricked up with like, you know, nice haircuts and stuff because they because they want to be stars. This guy came back ready to get noticed this year. And um, yes. I, I wonder what his ceiling is, you know? I mean, he he's six foot two. At first glance, he sort of looks like an undersized heavyweight, but he doesn't fight like one, Luke. You know, he fights like a banger. No, so, he fights like a marauder. Yeah, he and he's got some technical. And, puncher. And we did see his gas tank tested last season, too. You know, he was in some crazy fights. So um, keep your eyes on him. But, Luke, did you see the other heavyweight uh, guy jumping through your screen here? Six foot eight. Henan Fajeda, did you see his 25-second KO of I saw Jamel the, uh, Jones? I saw the KO on social media. I did not watch the fight live. Oh, my God. I mean, he ran over him, Luke. And, like, I looked him up last year. He was the guy who fought to that no contest with Verdum and then had two wins, but I don't think he advanced to the playoffs or I don't know if he was pulled from the tournament. I don't know what happened, Luke. But he's, you know, he hasn't lost in the PFL. He's a monstrous. Uh, this will be interesting. <laughs> If he gets to the end against Capaloza, Luke, that'll be an interesting fight. Who was the guy that fought in Pride? They used to call Monstro, or um, oh, there was this giant Brazilian dude who was like six eight, six nine. I mean, on a poster, could not be more intimidating. You talking about every Giant Silva? No, 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 no. Giant Silva was like a seven footer. This guy was bald headed. I'll find his name, but he would fight in uh, in Pride, and you'd be like, you know, they would do the 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 ring introductions. And they'd look over him, and you'd be like, "God damn!" And his name was so intimidating. Like, or, or, talking about Zulozino, that guy? No, 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 no. He was he was very muscular. And he had a bald head. Zulozino was a big old fat dude who now does slap fighting in Russia. And what, <laughs> what I'm trying to make is, what, what is he? Some he big would, fat person? Yeah, he, go ahead. He would, <laughs> he would get. He would look, dude. You would look across the octa or the the ring. And you'd be like, "Oh my god, who? What man alive could beat this dude?" And then he would get flatlined every time. He was shitty at fighting. <laughs> he wasn't very. I'll oh, find so, his name. So he's. He's Bob Sapp. I got it now. Look, I got it. I got where. No, Bob Sapp just Bob Sapp just quit. This guy didn't quit. He would just lose. <laughs> Yo, Bob Sapp was in some bangers before he started quitting all the rest of them. Luke, I mean, he was in some all or nothing uh, affairs. Uh, wow, uh, Luke, did, were you moved at all by featherweight Chris Wade putting another L on Lance Palmer here by unanimous decision? Um, somewhat surprised. Somewhat surprised in the sense of. Um, I thought, you know, Palmer has won this tournament, what, two, at least two times? Uh, yeah, but he's not doing well lately, Luke, okay? You know? He has certainly run into some problems since then. Um, there's no doubt 35. about it. He's lost three in a row. Yeah, he's a little bit older now. But, dude, I mean, Lance Palmer is one of those guys that, like, forfeited ever going to, like, a major show to make as much money as possible, and he did. And I don't think people realize, like, Lance Palmer has made more than a ton of very high-level popular UFC fighters. He yeah. doesn't have the people, you know, marching him down in public for autographs in the same way, but that bank account is looking nice. Yeah, he's probably got a shit ton of doge, Luke. That doge coin player. <laughs> uh, Luke, also in the featherweight bracket, Brendan Lockenen, the man who was uh, denied a Dana White contract dis despite uh, winning that fight because he wrestled too much. Uh, Luke, he had to go to the wrestling in this one because Ryoji Kudo was putting it on him. Hammer time. I saw that. With, dropped him. But then Kudo had the cut on his head. 
And they were like, no, no, he can't continue on the hairline. I, th- I thought that was interesting. But uh, we go to a technical decision, and Lockenden gets the win here, Luke, 29-28 across the board. I don't know, man. Kudo yeah. could have won that, but Brendan was turning things around. It felt like he sort of escaped with it, though, to some degree. Uh, Well, Brendan Lockton's very good. You know, he's got a lot of ability, including when, you know, the ability to fight out of uh, deficits and whatnot. So that is not altogether surprising. But again, you know, they're not, the UFC's not going to find every great piece of talent from everywhere. Another guy from Japan that's worth taking seriously. Also, BC, I found the guy who I was talking about. It's Ricardo Moraish. And uh, he fought at Pride 8. Uh, he got beat by Mark Coleman. He fought at Pride Bushido 6. He got beat by Alexander Emelianenko. And then they gave him Lee Tae-hyung, and he won that one via TKO at 8 minutes of Pride FC Final Conflict Absolute. 6'8", six, 6'9", six, 270 pounds. He looked the motherfucking part, but he usually got his ass whooped at the higher level. So Yeah, but did he wear a wife beater in the octagon like my man Harold Howard, Luke? Okay? I mean, that's coming on, dude. I mean, seriously. <laughs> did you see those, ki- those, those like, running flip kicks that uh, Howard was trying to hit, too? What do you call that, Luke? Uh, 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 an act? No, a uh, rolling thunder? Yeah, he was just breaking those things out. Like, it was like, it was similar to that guitar solo that Marty McFly did in the uh, 1955 uh, Enchantment Under the Sea dance, Luke. I know, isn't that amazing? It's like, dude, they're like, it's like, hey, you know this music that like black dudes invented? Let's send a white dude back in time to take it from him. <laughs> it's like, Man, I don't know if y'all really thought a- this through. That was that was a commentary. I, I didn't realize that. No, uh, one of the greatest movies of all time. Like, and he's like, though, I was like, this, and then the and then the other black dude's like calling Chuck Berry on the phone. He's like, you got to hear this kid. It's yeah, like yeah. y'all just stole Chuck Berry's shit on this one. Okay, all right. <laughs> his, it was his cousin. Yeah, Luke. Uh wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, too bad Jay Aaron ruined it by doing this giant documentary where he like interviews Michael J. Fox and stuff. You know. <laughs> did did anybody see that? I mean, did anybody see no, that? No, it's 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 on Hulu again, dude. It's, shout out to Jay Aaron. He he dude, he lingers, okay? He's like the cranberry. <laughs> um I don't he's think like, you he's care. like the COVID in my lungs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you care about anything else, Luke? Uh Bubba Jenkins taking a decision from Kyle Bokniak. You got Shaman Rice decisioning Boston I, Salmon. I think Jen- Jenkins uh dropped his opponent like three or four times, but if you watch the end of the fight. Jenkins had a fucked up eye. Like he got out. When I say he got, he got a little lucky. I guess I would say. I mean, he won handily in the sense of who was the better fighter. But it was one of those things where it's like out of Ali and Tyson Fury. If the cut, you know, it wasn't a cut in this case, but like if an injury could have derailed it all of a sudden, like his eye was messed up at the end. So good win for Bubba Jenkins getting back on the horse, but got a little at the end there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, PFL, you did it again. Look, it was a fun watch. So thank you. Hey, can the PFL smart cage fix my cold? <laughs> fix my colon. I mean, please come on. Can the PFL right. smart cage do anything other than house fighters? Which, yeah. by the way, a dumb cage can do just as well. It can show you the uh, miles per hour of your body movements and and uh, and yeah, yes. And BC, what does movement. it mean if a punch is twenty-one miles an hour versus being, let's say, twenty-two? It all depends on the torque, Luke. At the end of the right. day, okay. Right. Um, that's it for topics this week, Luke. But. Since we, say, <laughs> since we say a lot of bullshit into this microphone, we do give you an option to call us out on it. Morningcombat at gmail.com is the emailed home of our address for Wednesday's fan subs. And every Friday, when we take a chance of sitting on that L and telling you how it feels like, because one time we was dead wrong. Dead wrong. Gotch. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, we start with Adam. Dude, do we? Is it one guy or do we have like fifty people named Adam that watch the show? List. I think All there's like just that. a lot of people who are like, "Hey, what's the name of your kid?" I don't know, motherfucking Adam or whatever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, they say, uh, "Hey, Luke." Um, at one thirty-six of Monday's show. You stated that Liam Badco had a crazy fight for one championship. That's dead wrong. The fighter you are looking for is Liam Harrison. It's understandable because you have to shit like Kish. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, shit like Kish, but you are a fax person. Check them next time. Kidding. Oh, dude, did they did they really do this? Did they just did they just fucking put a gun in their mouth on this one? Liam Harrison is Liam Badco, you fucking idiot. It's the oh, same wow. guy. Liam Badco oh, is his wow. is his motherfucking is there his Instagram handle. Oh, and, you just you know, dude. No, no, no. You might you will not sex the Mutombo, Luke. You just absolutely. Yeah. Who wants to sex Dikembe? Not this fucking idiot, <laughs> bro. It's the same fucking guy. It's like, bro, that was not Batman. That was Bruce Wayne. Motherfucker, yeah. that is Bruce Wayne. No, Finkel is Einhorn, dude. <laughs> All right, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Big old Mister Kanish. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah there's there it is right on time thank you very much god okay. dude people come, I, mean, I swear to god man does anyone double check their shit does Nobody anyone does. double check their shit not a single person daryl's hair he says happy friday donks on wednesday's episode at the beginning of topic one when discussing font versus vera luke says quote both of these guys are coming off wins of some of the bigger names of the division yeah that's wrong yeah, Luke is dead wrong. Font was actually coming off the loss to Aldo. Thanks for the fantastic show. Have an amazing weekend. It's Daryl. All right. Yeah, Very polite. See, that's an L. I'll take that L. I had forgotten. I thought that for some reason in my mind, I had thought that the Garbrandt fight was the last fight that he had had, like sequentially. So yeah. that was the reason I got that wrong. But that is wrong. That is very wrong. All right. Uh, hi, Luke and Brian. Dia Stefano. He even gave me a pronunciation of a, a uh, showed me how to do it from Chicago here. And I'm including the pronunciation. So BC, AK T.O. Gringo doesn't mispronounce it, but wouldn't be surprised if he still does. Uh, this dead wrong is for Luke on episode 294 this past Wednesday, when discussing weekend storylines, specifically with Andre Arlovsky being back, Luke said his last loss didn't come until Tom Aspinall, which was in February of 2010. I don't think a 17-year-old Aspinall would have been able to get the drop on Arlovsky back then, but a 27-year-old would. The fight actually happened on February 20th, 2021, where Aspinall got a sub two. Probably Listen. just a case of the Wednesdays for Luke. Love the yeah. show, and happy belated birthday to Violetta. Stay washed up, gentlemen, and Yeah, holla, thank you, thank you. By the way, everyone Madrid. mispronounces my daughter's name everywhere we go. Yes. It's like, hey, uh, is Violetta here? I'm like, no, Violetta is here, you fucking jerk job. Yeah. But anyway. Um, hey, hey yes. is that too, is that Tukey? Yeah, 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 that's great. I, know, I should right. just start putting Tukey on her fucking things. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know what the fuck I, why I said that, but that's quite clearly wrong. So I'll take that L All as right. well. All right. Hey, here we go. Uh, this one's from Greg on Mondays. Have you seen this shit? While discussing future Bellator megastar Danny Sabatello, BC was dead wrong when he stated that Sabatello's win over Jornel Lugo came via submission. My no, guy BC not, yeah. must be more washed than we thought in suffering from short-term memory loss because Danny's victory actually came in the form of a dominant UD, not a submission. P.S. Rafian Stotts 
is a goddamn lock to win this Grand Prix. Ooh. And you better believe he's going to breakdance all over Sergey Pettis' bum-ass wrestling defense when the time comes. Wow, this guy, Greg, he's, wow, he's, yeah, he's, he said it, Luke. Yeah. 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 All right, this one's from Sahi at 49.16 of Wednesday's show. Luke says that the Ovechkin quote that the local cabs blog is named after is Russian machine don't break. The quote is, in fact, Russian machine never breaks. Never and the blog breaks. shares this name. Love the show. Go Caps. And Luke, thanks for always repping the DMV and India. It's Sahi, Luke. Wow, yeah. Do I, re- do I rep India? I don't know if I, I, mean, I <laughs> no, do not rep India. He's slowly the... removing that from his Wikipedia page right now. Yes, yes. That's right. funny. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I thought it was Russian Machine Don't Break, but it's never break. Yeah. It's a good right, blog. Uh, right on occasion. One more for you, Luke. It's from Michael and Oscar. I've been uh, told that this is not actually a dead wrong, in which case I'm going to fucking murder this guy. But go ahead. In this Friday's episode, when talking about Liz Carmouche competing for the belt or flyweight belt, Luke said, quote, I always cheer for former Marines. That's right. I do. Yeah, that's dead wrong. There's no such thing as a former Marine. <laughs> BC. BC. I, I keep oh. doing this and I keep having wow. people who want to come at the king and they just like I cannot imagine how many I, I don't understand why people sign up and say, hey, Luke, can you please dunk on me in public? And I'm like, well, I guess I like taking requests, so I'll do that. You fucking jackass. Former Marine is not only acceptable, it is the preferred way to refer to someone. What you cannot say and what Marines get mad about, hello, I was in the Marine Corps for seven motherfucking years, is you cannot call them an ex-Marine. That's what you cannot call them. That is when they get pissed. Calling them a former Marine is actually not just acceptable, it's the preferred method. So (laughs) lick my motherfucking balls, you pogue civilian nasty piece of shit. Wow, wow, uh, <laughs> wow, misdirected hostility, yeah, right, Do right. not come to me with, I'm going to tell this That's Marine how got. it actually goes in the Marine Corps. You don't know shit. I lived the life. I stood on the yellow footprints of Paris Island. Do not lecture me about what we say. You are. You do not rate. I rate. Sit yes. down. Now, somebody get me my leather European man bag. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell's my vape pen? All right, there we go. Here I we got go. it. I got it. Uh, I'm scared if, you... if I. I'm scared if I if I if I pull one that it's gonna end up coughing up my lungs. Yes. Uh, can you keep that away from Tuki? Thank you very much. Yes. Okay. I, do. Luke. I always do. Uh, morningcombat at gmail.com. Also, once again, your email address if you want to send in your own dead wrongs, fan subs, whatever. Don't forget every Sunday night only on Instagram at morningcombat. We put out the feelers for DMs from Donks. You can leave your questions there. Here are our our thirst trap follow links here. If you want to get involved on some get inside Luke, you want to get inside Luke Thomas. That's where you can do that. All right. Yeah. We don't need Elon Musk for that, Luke. Yeah, man. You see, you've been following Valerie Laredo on Instagram, dude. Why? <laughs> One of the co-hosts of the show constantly texts me pictures of her IG updates, so I don't have to, Luke. Okay, apparently, you know. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I have never heard of that. <laughs> Wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. 
Just got to bring out the shaggy defense, bro. They even did it in the bathroom? Wow, yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, I think that's it, Luke. That's all I got. That's the whole show, okay? That's the whole enchilada. Um, All right, bro. What are you doing this weekend? uh, Watching boxing and doing a morning combat instant reaction after both main events come Saturday night. I am probably going to be, I'm thinking about it, I'm going to be dying of full-blown AIDS, I'm guessing, by Saturday. Um, But if that doesn't happen, if I don't die, uh, I am going to take my kid to gymnastics training. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, and then have a picnic on Sunday with the fam. What nationality is her coach? Hopefully Romanian, Luke. No, American. American. Dude, I'm not trying to turn her into some Olympian. She just likes hanging from the monkey bars and, you know. Run around the little kid gym. That's have, it. Hey, have fun, Tuki. You deserve it. Okay. Happy third birthday from from Uncle Gringo over here, Luke. Okay. Part of the bro. She got so many Gringo fucking family. gifts. It's un- dude. I can't believe it's a it, man. I gotta tell you, I cannot. It's it's. <laughs> I didn't know what it was like to have a family that like <laughs> super cares about you <laughs> until she came around, and then I saw what her her Colombian family dude they flew here from Colombia just for her third fucking birthday gifts in tow like like she had won the fucking lottery or something I, I, I've never seen anything like that meanwhile my family didn't even call Tuki to <laughs> wish like her a happy US birthday father Luke she did win that lottery okay Luke I guess right. so bro I guess so okay let's embrace that um we love you folks out there thank you for for liking the show following us all that good stuff uh take care of yourself okay folks have a great weekend Shouting out uh, Long Island Luke, Gaff, Corey, our Mikey Mormile, our team behind the scenes. There's more than just them. That guy, RJ, makes a bunch of merch. In fact, hold on. Speaking of that merch, morningcombat.store. Get 10% off right now. Use the code uh, LIVE10, and you could be drinking out of this mug and while you wear this hat. And, you know, yeah, yeah, man. Um, there we go. Uh, but thank you to our team, our listeners. Um I just love fighting, and we got we got a bunch of uh, great fights this weekend. So uh, buckle up, enjoy them. Um, sometimes boxing wins, right? Sometimes, Luke. Okay. Sometimes, not with our audience, but sometimes. Um, that's Luke Thomas. My name is Brian Campbell. I got two more words for you. We out of here.